We are so excited to be going to Phoenix, Arizona for this year's DSO Connect Retreat. Join us June 27th through 29th for three days full of inspiring content and unforgettable connections. The DSO Connect Retreat is truly a life-changing event. You'll gain useful and practical business information to bring your studio to the next level, meet lifelong friends, and join a community where you can finally share and receive support. Take some time to recharge, reinvent, and reconnect with other studio owners. You'll leave inspired and motivated to transform your dance studio. Your ticket includes your lodging at a fabulous estate, all food and beverages, and three days of content and implementation sessions to get stuff done together. This year's seminar topics include staffing from hiring to firing, customer onboarding, social media, financials, website audit, and systems, creating processes for all parts of your business. This amazing event is free for pro-level members of the DSO Connect Member Vault, $480 for basic level members, and $960 for non-members. Space is extremely limited for this exclusive event, so don't wait. Head on over to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Retreat 2022 tab to learn more and to reserve your spot today. We can't wait to meet you. Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. I'm Robin. And we have yet another very special guest with us today. Hello, Suzanne Sater. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm fine. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Excited to have you. I feel like we've been in the same like overlapping circles, (laughs) especially on Facebook groups and stuff for so long. So it's so nice to finally meet you. We're always chiming in together. Mm-hmm. We're always liking each other's stuff and loving each other's stuff and agreeing on stuff together. We're yes. like-minded, that's for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Suzanne has owned Real Dance, a dance studio in Lighthouse Point, Florida for 19 years. Originally from New York City, Suzanne has been a dance educator for almost 40 years. She and her husband, Pascal, have a soon-to-be college grad daughter named Nina and two rescue dogs named Wally and Skylar. Oh, love that. Yes. Wally is is Robin's husband's name. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, actually, Wally was- And Amanda's cat's And Amanda's cat's name, that's right. (laughs) Oh my God, how funny. I didn't name Wally. Actually, Wally- is a gift was a, a gift from Tice Diorio. He Tice and I grew up together dancing in Brooklyn, and he adopted Wally. And he was touring and couldn't. He's like, I I am about to leave on tour. Would you take Wally? And I was like, Absolutely, I'll take Wally. But Wally's about fourteen years old now. Aww. He's an old man, but he's the best and smartest dog in the world. We love him to pieces. So yeah. Oh yay! That's, That's Wally. That's awesome. Yes. So Suzanne, let's start from the beginning. Um, tell us yeah. about your, your dance journey and how you, you know, what your background is and how you became a studio owner. Well, I grew up dancing in Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. and then in, in Manhattan after that, danced into my uh, well, like early 20s. And then I went to work for Club Med Resort all over the world, which is a ton of fun. I had a great time. Met my husband there. And when we decided to get married, we moved back to New York City. Uh, I'm being really brief because, you know, it's don't need to go into every little detail. But um, and I always did love teaching. Teaching was I, I always loved little kids and love teaching. And we lived in New York for a while, taught in New York for a while and then moved down to Florida in 1995. Actually, I've been in Florida for quite a while and I taught for about eight or nine years in other schools. One of them was um, my good friend, Michelle, who was dancing at Parkland, um, which a lot of people are familiar with the school. That is the school, if you know who Jamie Guttenberg is, she's a dancer who died in the Parkland Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting. Oh, yes. And so, yes, that's the dance. The dancer came from that school. That's where I taught for eight years. So they're very good friends of mine. And then um, they... One, this building was being constructed right in my neighborhood, this brand new construction. 
And there was no dance studio in my neighborhood in this town of Lighthouse Point or in the like the neighborhood in front, like just north of me, just south of me. And I was like, you know, this would be a really good place to put a studio. There's nothing really in the na- like the neighborhood. And I grew up dancing. My first studio was like the neighborhood studio. Like I could walk there. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if I could have the neighborhood studio? My daughter was about three years old. And it was becoming a problem to teach in other people's studios till 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I knew I needed to kind of be a little bit more in control of my schedule. And so I, that to make a long story short, that was my motivation for opening a school. I never really thought I wanted to be a studio owner because I knew it was tough. I knew it was a lot more about, it was a lot less about dance than people really realized. Our day does not have a whole lot to do with dance yep. and a whole lot more to do about the toilets clog and the air conditioning guy needs to come and all of that other stuff. But so I just knew it was time for that transition to happen. And it was when this building went up and knowing that there was really a need in the community because there's nothing there. So in 1995, oh no, yeah, 1995 I moved. So like 19 years ago was when Real Dance was born. So here I am 19 years later, I can't believe it. And now like the second generation is coming around. The kids that started with me are starting to have babies of their own. That's all happening. I'm really proud. Awesome. Yeah, we have seven graduating (laughs) seniors this year, which is a first for us. We have never had that many at once. That's going to be a tough recital. It's going to be really sad because I'm going to miss them. They're great girls, but I'm proud just the same. On the day of my daughter's college graduation, I might add. Yes, you heard correctly. Wait, your Uh, recital is on the day of your daughter's college graduation. Oh, my God. So I'm on the so east which coast of Florida. Well, here's my I'm on the east coast of Florida in Fort Lauderdale. My daughter goes to University of South Florida, which is in Tampa. So her graduation is at 10 a.m. in Tampa. We're going to graduation. As soon as it ends, we're jumping in the car, driving four hours back home. I don't think we're going to make it to the two o'clock show, but I have an amazing, competent, super capable faculty that's going to run the two o'clock show. But I'll be there. We have a seven o'clock show that I will be there for. And the graduating seniors, their big show. So it's going to be the most stressful day probably (laughs) of my entire life. Everybody prays for like no flat tires, no overheating cars, no big traffic jams. Like everyone just, I need good car and traffic karma that day. So no kidding. Oh my gosh. Um, so tell us more about your studio and what kind of studio environment it is. Are you more recreational? Are you super competitive? Is it more of a conservatory sort of environment? Tell us, tell us more. Well, we're not super, super competitive. We've got about 200 kids. It's not a huge, huge mega studio, which I never, ever really wanted. I always wanted to be kind of that neighborhood dance studio. Like I kind of grew up in, um, out of the 200 kids, he's got 35 competitive kids, three teams. Um, we've got what our minis, which we call minis, but those are, say, grades three to five. Our juniors are middle school, and our seniors are high, the high school kids. That's how I divide them up. And um, it's, we do, we're ballet, tap, jazz, hip-hop, contemporary, you know, everything. I wouldn't consider it a, a pre-professional conservatory program. Um, ages three to 18. And we do have, I have a really amazing faculty. That's one thing I have to say is the good thing about living in South Florida is I've access to some really great teachers. I know that some areas of the country really struggle trying to find good faculty, but that's one thing, not would bite my tongue. I've always had really great um, faculty members. And as a result, have been able to have a really great program. It's a, it's a small school, but it's a, um, like a boutique kind of studio where you can get really, really good training because it's not enormous. So you've got good, nice, uh, um, good attention, but from really great faculty. That's awesome. Where do you find your faculty? It's always been kind of word of mouth. You know, mm. like, um, I haven't really, I mean, being in the business for this long, I have a really great network of friends. We also, I have some really great friends here who also own studios in the area. 
There's about seven or eight of us. We call ourselves the Breakfast Club. It's really funny. We have the longest running Facebook message in history. And we all kind of share resources. And hey, does anyone know a hip hop teacher? And oh, this person just moved here. I just got this resume. And we're really there. I don't know what we would do without each other, especially during COVID. We really helped each other out a lot with all of that stuff. So they, they're wonderful people. And um, that's it's so important, I think, to have good friends in your own community doing the same thing that you can help each other out there where our friendship is really special and and for so many reasons but that has been super helpful with teachers as well been lucky that's awesome i love that yeah yeah i have i have a good relationship with two of my friends who used to teach for me and then opened or purchased their own studios and, you know, we, we get lunch or coffee or whatever fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say not as regularly as I would like, but sure. <laughs> we try as often as we can. And it's just so much fun. It's so yeah, great. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's great too. When you get resumes from a great teacher, if you can't offer them a ton of hours, like right. you know, we tell them like, listen, I can only give you a day, but I have friends. My friend owns the school a few miles away. I could let them know about you. And so that's great for that too, to help, you know, help out teachers as well, mm-hmm. help yes. them network. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Are you still teaching Suzanne? You know, I stopped teaching at the beginning of COVID. Um, like every studio owner knows we became COVID patrol. It was about cleaning. It was about monitoring. You know, we had to kind of stagger the arrivals and departures and all of that stuff. And I became much full-time studio manager because my studio manager then was working remotely. She has, her mom is older and she really wasn't comfortable coming in anymore. So as a result, I now manage the studio. So there's no more time left for me to teach. I do miss teaching sometimes. I can pop in whenever I want, you know, if God knows. Anytime I want to sub, there's always plenty of opportunity for that. But for the last, well, since the beginning of COVID, I've been fully managing the studio, not teaching anymore. I also taught in a private school for 14 years. In the lower school, I taught dance. And I gave that up as well when COVID started, because that was a whole other thing. You know, COVID changed a lot in dance, as we all know. Yeah. Yeah. So what we... We were going to talk about um, dealing with difficult parent situations today. Is that yes. something that now that you're managing the studio, do you find that you have more issues or less issues? Well, in my particular situation, I want to say it's been less because fortunately, people were so grateful that we stayed open. There are a lot of students yeah. who shut down. They were grateful that, that we made the effort. First, initially, there was the whole Zoom thing. And they saw how much effort it took to get set up on Zoom and have their children be able to stay connected to dance, be able to at least do that. There was the tremendous effort that it took to have the recital that year because we, we actually were had a company come in. It was um, Intrigue Dance Convention. They're based out of Florida. And they had, um, they came into our studio and a number of different studios down here and shot our recital like a TV show. They brought in TV cameras and set the whole thing up like a TV soundstage and shot it like a television show. And we live streamed it. And it was so cool because we had, I have three rooms. So we set up the largest room, like the soundstage. And we had, everybody was allowed to have two parents there. And so the parents were in another room and the cameraman, like it was as if they were on live TV and they were like, okay, we're going live in five, four, three, two, action. And they shot their, their dance. And it was, it was really awesome as sad as it was we couldn't have a live recital it was kind of cool to do that that one time and the parents saw the tremendous effort it took on everybody's part to put that together and then going into 2021 you know all of the the work it took to the cleaning the the extra equipment the 
I had installed in every room like so many people did, the big screen TVs and all of the remote teaching, all of that. And I really felt so fortunate to have uh, parents that were really appreciative of the effort. And I didn't have too much pushback. And then this year started, there was a little bit, I was really pretty strict about the masking. Um, and when people, there was a few people that were kind of like, well, you know, kids don't really get sick, you know, kids are okay. And I was like, well, I'm not a kid. I'm 57 and I don't want to get sick. Now what? If I get sick, who's running the school? And then they'd say, oh, well, okay, I, I see your point. And that would be the end of that. Now, here's the thing. I am 57. I do, I do get that when you are a young studio owner, there's some, some people, I mean, my hat is off to those studio owners that open when they are 19, 20, 21, 22. It's not easy when you are much younger than the parents themselves. I am, I'm older than all the parents now. And so it is automatically, there's a power advantage there when you're older than that, automatically. They're, they're going to defer, most people anyway, are going to defer to the person that's older. I also have a bit, you know, there's, I don't know if it's the New Yorker in me or what, I have a little bit of a commanding presence. So people are, you know, naturally aren't, generally don't mess with me in that way. But I also, when you've been in the school for a while, I kind of prove myself to be fair. I listen to people. I don't cut them off. Like if people, people generally just want to be heard. So if you just hear them out and hear what they have to say, you don't jump down their throat. You don't cut them off. You let them say what they want to say. And then you kind of are reasonable with them. It's, it ends up usually being okay. Of course, there were always those people that no matter what you said, you weren't going to make them happy. And then that's a whole other story. You know, that, that there was nothing that we could do to help that. But for the most part, it was okay. It was okay. I, I consider myself fortunate despite being in crazy Florida. <laughs> we're okay. That's great. What are some yeah. of the, that's, I mean, that's so nice that you have such a supportive community around you at your studio, that they are appreciative of everything that you've done and all the work and effort that you've put in. Um, it didn't and, happen by accident. Right. Yeah. And Robin and I talk about this all the time that like, you have to surround, you have to find the right people for, for you and for your studio. And through the pandemic, we both have done that in kind of opposite ways. Robin is less on the masking side and I am more on the masking side. And, you know, we, but, and we've both lost families and gained families through that. And, you know, there's just, there's a studio out there for everybody. Well, I didn't know, you know, we're still in this place and I don't think we'll know for years to come whether it really worked or didn't work, but I had no choice but to err on the side of caution because I'm 57 and the sole owner of the studio. So I'm like, I don't know if this is the reason why we're not having any transmission, but I can't afford to take the chance because I don't have a backup. So if this is what's doing it, well, then I have no choice but to stick with it because I can't get sick. And knock wood, bite my tongue. Um, I, I don't even want to say the words, but here I am. So people were great about it. And of course, I also had common sense when the numbers were low. No masks. Let's take them off now. You can't strap the mask on and never have to be reasonable about it. We, what I did was I went by the schools. When the schools warm, we warm. When the schools took them off, we took them off. So it wasn't like there was no end in sight. It wasn't like they were never going to, they were going to wear a mask for the rest of their lives. And we were never going to see their faces again. No, we're just going to do what you do in school. And that consistency to me was important for the kids too. That there wasn't like, I wasn't pulling, you know, random rules out of nowhere. We're just going to do what you do in school. And that was important. I felt. So that's where that came from. Anyway. <laughs> what are some of the larger or more contentious or more sticky situations that you've found yourself in with parents in regard to COVID or in general over the Just years in general over the years well you know I was very fortunate in that I opened my school after having worked for other people for many years 
So I had seen what other people, what mistakes other people had made. Well, I felt what mistakes or what contentious situations other people had gotten themselves into. So I knew going in how to avoid those potential situations and set things up in a way that it didn't happen. And just like, an, just as an example, I find a lot of people have issues with kids, this whole moving up. Is she going to move up next year? How is she going to move up? So it's always a big deal, right? People, you know, parents are like, they always are very concerned about placement. And I don't really do things by, like, for example, we don't audition. We don't have auditions for our team. I have a very clear criteria spelled out on my website. This is what you need to do if you want to compete. And there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. It's, it's attendance. It's attitude. You have to study ballet, tap, and jazz. If you're that kid that just wants to take acrobatics, well, you're not in contention to be selected for a team. And auditions are a very public thing. Like you're putting this kid out to try out in front of X amount of people, in front of their friends. And then you're going to say, yes, you can be on the team or no, you can't. It's a very public and it's embarrassing for them if they don't get on. It's embarrassing for the parents. When in the meantime, now I should preface this by saying, it just happens to be the way I do things. It doesn't mean that's the only way to do it. There's plenty of schools that have auditions and it works for them and it's always worked for them and it's fine. But it is the way that I kind of avoid the drama. Your faculty knows who's going to be a good candidate for this particular team. They already know. They don't need an audition. Mm -hmm. You don't need an audition to know whether you can work with the parent or not. And so we do it by selection. And it isn't arbitrary. There's a really clear criteria. Here's the key. If a child is not going to be a candidate, that parent knows way in advance. So for example, we have pre-registration coming up in May. Now I am already in contact with people telling them, listen, your child technically should be invited onto the team next year because they did take ballet, tap and jazz this year. They did have decent attendance, but I'm gonna tell you, she's not ready and this is why. She's not quite mature enough yet. It's a big responsibility to be on this team. I'm finding that when she comes in from week to week, she doesn't really remember what we added on the week before. Are you seeing her practice at home, the, the choreography? Well, no, Suzanne, you know, come to think of it, she doesn't really practice well. When you see that start to happen, that's when you know, like, that's when it's time for them to be invited onto the team. I don't want to shove it down their throat. And then, and then the parents are ready. But when they're slapped with that reality out of nowhere, when all the other kids are invited and suddenly they don't get an invitation, that's embarrassing for them. It's shocking news to them. They have no preparation for it whatsoever. And that's when you get hit. That's when you have the parent drama happening. It's a lot about communication. It's a lot about advance notice. My, and I have the best out in the world. And it was God lover, my own daughter. My own daughter, Nina, if you ever hear this, you know it's true, hated dance. She just, she liked the recital. She loved getting on stage. She loved getting the costume. She loved the glory, but she didn't want to do the work. She didn't want to practice. She didn't want to take ballet. Like she, every hard thing about it, she wasn't on board. She was never on a competition team. Now, hey, I was the studio owner. She could have been the star of the whole show. I never did it because she didn't earn it. And I would, I always bring her up when it's that situation. I will tell this, I'll tell the parent, this my own kid was not that kid. She didn't never practice. She wasn't serious. She was the one that you were constantly saying her name. Nina, turn around. Nina, pay attention. Nina, are you with me? So why are we doing that to the kid? It's not going to be fun. It's not what they want. So that, thank God. Love you, Nina. Thank you for that. Um, but she just did it. You know, she wasn't a candidate. So a lot of the drama is avoided by that. And I think that that's, mm -hmm. that's such a big deal. It's, it's such an important thing. It's just communicating that in, far in advance for people. People don't like to be embarrassed. You know, kids don't like to be embarrassed. And so that's the tough thing about an audition, you know. 
I think you're, you're spot on that the key to avoiding the whole drama about placement and team or company um, admission is about preparing the parents ahead of time. But for those studios that do do auditions, there are also ways that you can kind of work with it because we do auditions, but we only invite the kids who we know are ready. So and we do have criteria that's very clear up front. You have to be in the package like you. We, we have to take ballet, modern, tap, jazz. Um, and, we ha- and you have to have been in my studio for a year. And you're right. We do know whether they're going to get in or not. We don't need the audition to know. But we, we think that the audition is an important part of the lesson and the training so that they can put themselves out there and get nervous and still work through their nerves and right, you know, right. ha- risk Rejection, but mm-hmm. we don't reject anyone that we've invited. We'll, well invite that's them key. to audition. Um, yeah, but then that's we key. then our upper level dancers, we do have an um, the elite group. They have an open audition. So by that point, by the time you're going into high school, I feel like you should be able to walk into a situation and be ready to hear the word no. And we'll tell parents it's never appropriate to. Um, challenge the results of an audition or placement. If you want to know what your kid is all is up to in class, ask me in January. Don't ask me the day after you get the audition (laughs) rejection. That's not the day to worry about it. Um, And and, um, just really, yes, I'm piggybacking on what you said. It's all about preparing the parents ahead of time Mm -hmm. so they know what to expect. Do do you prepare them? Like if you have someone sign up in that team level that you know is not going to get on do you tell the parent ahead of time listen she can come but i'm telling you right now she's probably not going to make it he or she is probably not going to you don't we we for the elite group we'll say um it's an open audition anyone can audition but you need to be prepared that not everyone gets in and several kids don't get in but we always tell them it's just not your you're just not ready yet And usually Mm -hmm. at some point through high school, everybody gets in. I think there's been like one kid who hasn't at least made it in their junior or senior year. So it's just like, try again. And we'll tell you exactly why you're, you don't do this work in class. You you're showing us how, you know, all of this, um, all all of this pizzazz in the audition, but is this how you dance every day in class? And then by the time they're old enough like that, Mm -hmm. Um, it's a very come to Jesus kind of moment. It's like, (laughs) you know who you, you know, that you came here with your best foot forward, but that's not what you do every day. And they're like, yeah, you know, so they know when they walk out that door. Sure. We also don't, even with regular class placement, like aside from competition, our schedules are, it's got the year of birth. I do everything by age. It's, If you're seven years old, you're with the other seven-year-olds in ballet. I don't believe in taking gifted kids, like a gifted 10-year-old, and putting them with the 14-year-old. I've never in 19 years have ever, ever done that. I don't believe in it. It's not appropriate. It's not age-appropriate. It's not socially appropriate. At 14, because in that 10-year-old, 14, they're all the same anyway. You don't want that 10-year-old listening to those 14-year-old conversations. It's not good for them socially. I, I just don't subscribe to it. And I, there are parents that push for that. She's so, I mean, but she's bored. She's this. Go to a studio that's going to do that for you. We don't do it. And that avoids a lot of drama too, because <sighs> you, when you start doing that, yeah. then you've got other parents that are like, well, you moved Mary up when she was 12. You let her dance with the high school kids. Yeah, it's the very rare, on very rare occasions, I've moved a very mature eighth grader, very mature, very mature to the, to a high school group. And even then it was, it was dicey sometimes because there is a social difference. It, it, you know, it, it, it's tough on them. The high school kids don't always accept them. And you have to really weigh out, is it worth it? Is this one year of training worth it for them to move in can they hold out what i'll do sometimes is i'll take that eighth grader and i'll make them a swing in the high school group to give them a little bit more challenging work but they still dance with their middle school friends in the middle school class so but when you do things by age versus level 
And in 19 years, I've never had an issue where someone fell so far behind. And so people know, like, you know, you don't have anybody coming in saying, well, she's moving up. Well, well, because the question is, well, how old is she? She's going to be with the other 10-year-old. That's it. And I've never had that problem. Yeah. Never. Another problem, and you touched on this with bringing um, the younger ones up too soon, and this has happened to us on a couple of occasions. You've got this, you know, eighth grader who's dancing with juniors in high school, and then by the time she's a junior in high school, she's like, "I've, I'm at the top of this mountain," and then she's looking at another studio or she's looking at a, a different pro it's like, let's not get her to the top of the mountain so fast. Correct. That she, and then, or else they stay at the studio and they're just like vacant because yeah. they're like, you know, they have yeah. this air about them that they've already, you know, yeah. achieved the top of line. So what's left yeah, to start to, you know, the high school kids in our school are the ones that get to work with the guest choreographers. They do a little bit more, you know, at every level, they get to do a little bit more so there's got to be something left to look forward to if you get mm-hmm. it give them everything when they're a junior then what's left mm-hmm. so you got to get there you got to earn your spot you have to earn your spot sure so let me ask you this um because we've been talking about this has been you know this is old as time in dance studio land how much involvement do you how how involved will you get in student drama for example a mom Mm. reaches out to you and says my daughter is really thinking about leaving dance or leaving your studio because she just cannot get along with the other girls in the in the in her group and it's usually never her fault it's the other girl's fault but it's just it's it's personal drama. Do you say that's a mommy thing that you y'all need to work out amongst yourselves with your moms? Or at what point would you bring that on into your office and sit down and talk? And have you ever been successful in um, working teenage drama? Out? We've had it. We've ha- every studio has had it. And if you haven't had it yet, you're, you're going to have it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, sadly, it's starting younger and younger too. Mm-hmm. You know, at the it's the social media. Yeah. Well, I'm big on, I don't believe in, my daughter did not have, was not allowed to have social media until she was 18. Wow. We stuck to it too. And I, I have a text message on my phone from her that says, it was about a year ago. Thank you for not letting me have social media. I hated you at the time, but now I am so grateful because I avoided so much drama. So any parent listen to this, don't do it. It is not worth it because it's the root of so much evil among those kids. In the mini level, the parents really are better about managing the kids. They, they, I, I had a situation this year where I was watching a group. I noticed amongst a bunch of minis that they were, uh, you know, they were in a circle and there were two that were kind of on the outside of the circle. And it, it wasn't really deliberate, but I could see these two new ones trying hard to kind of break in, but they're quiet. And it wasn't really a mean girls thing. It was kind of the, the ones who were the return minis weren't even aware that these new girls were kind of like, oh, I wish they would include me. And I just sent an email to the parents of the returning minis saying, you know, there's some new girls in the group and it would be great if they could be made aware to like include them, include them in the conversation, make eye contact in the conversation. It's just a little thing like that can really help. And it's, and doing events with them on the outside really does help those bonding things. But that's the mini level. Junior drama tends to be the real nonsense. The, the junior, the mm-hmm. junior, the middle school stuff is, can be the real petty stuff. The difficult stuff is high school. High school can be the real, especially after COVID, there was some real serious mental health issues that kids mm-hmm. were facing. Stuff that would be out of my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm a dance teacher mm-hmm. and I, I make no bones about uh, this is not, this is stuff stuff that needs to be brought to a professional. And it's important that dance teachers know their boundaries and, mm-hmm. and not to profess to be something they are not. Um, and when it's, when it's time to go to a parent and say, I think you need to speak to a professional about this because, and it's not time to bring it in and choreograph a dance about it because that's not going to fix it either. You know what I mean? 
love you girls, but we're not going to dance about this. You need to speak to a counselor because, you know, it, it's really not, it's not, you don't credential. you don't have the credentials. Like this is serious. Um, but then there are smaller things. Like I did have a situation at the end of the summer, the uh, end of the school year last year where kids were just being bitchy and me. Oh, sorry. I said the B word, but it's okay. You're allowed. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. <laughs> just being nasty and mean and I feel like it's it's the end of the year and kids get tired and they get nasty and they say things they don't mean I I tell you I did kind of have a kind of a I want to call it a rule or a policy where if two if two team members have a dispute they have to settle it face to face versus or FaceTime to FaceTime I don't want you texting about it and I don't want you drawing in anybody else you mm. can't run to the rest mm. of the team and say do you know what she said about this <laughs> You can speak to only your parents about the problem. You have to settle it between you and that other dancer. If I find out that you are involving everybody else in your issue with this other person, you're done. That's something I have no tolerance for. It cannot be, it cannot be your conflict resolution cannot take place via text message. It must happen face-to-face or FaceTime to FaceTime. And you can only discuss it with your parents. That are my two, those are my two really, really uh, strong rules about that. Because that when they when they try to like text about it, I mean, even adults get in trouble that way. You can't text. Mm-hmm. You gotta talk about it. Oh so much mm-hmm. and they get really brave and much nastier over even adults get brave and nasty over texts and emails and things but when you have to talk face to face with someone it's things change and that did help that whole forcing people to speak about something sometimes you have to say to somebody listen I snapped at you I'm in a terrible mood and it has nothing to do with you and I was rude and nasty and I do apologize for that but today's probably a good day to just not come to me with anything because I'm 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 just in a bad place, and that's all it takes. And but someone's got to teach them that stuff. And sometimes right. it's us, the dance teacher. Mm-hmm. They spend so much time together, and especially now, are coming to the end of the year. They're tired. They have finals coming up. But some of them have AP exams, college applicate. You know, college. I have kids that are still trying to figure out what college to go to. And it gets really hairy in there. And sometimes they have to look at each other and say, I love you, but stay away from me right now. I am in a bad place. And that's all it takes. But if they don't have that conversation, that's a, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that can brew over text message and all that Snapchat garbage. Like, mm-hmm. just talk to each other. It can solve a myriad of problems. It really could. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like, those are some skills and tools that we can model for our students. Like if we're having a really bad day as a teacher, it's okay to say, Hey, dancers, I'm, I'm having a really rough day. I am not in the best headspace right now. I'm going to do my absolute best to give you an awesome class tonight, but just so you're aware, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. And And that gives them the opportunity to see their teacher as a flawed human being, which is so powerful, which is so powerful. And it gives them the opportunity to give their teacher a little bit of grace. And it it just like builds on the respect and the relationship, I think. And you said, Matt, those magic words, this has nothing to do with you. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes those kids have to tell each other that, you know, my right. boyfriend broke up with me today. It has nothing to do with you, but I am right. in a bad mood. <laughs> right. Or, or my parents are mad at me and it's exactly making me angry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, for sure. But Rob, I think you were going to say something, but two minutes ago. I was going to ask if you've got teenagers having a conflict, do you have them um, resolve it in your space or go to coffee or go do it at your house or do it? it's not a studio issue or do you say, all right, you can use my office or let's go in this room. Do you monitor it? Do you get involved? Or are you saying you all need to handle it without me? Cause this is not about the dance studio. I will initiate it. I will pull, you know, we'll have in the studio because it's literally just happened. Well, that's the end of last year. Um, I will address it and say, 
this needs to be dealt with. However, I will not remain in, in the room because they won't speak freely in front of me. Hmm. They might want to call me a few choice words. I don't know, which is fine with me. If they need to do that, <laughs> I'm okay with it. I get up. But I have had over the years, really great parents who are always willing to open their home to kids to come and everybody sit in their yard and hash it out. And that's exactly what they did last year. I usually call upon the graduating seniors to be like, I don't want to say team captain, but more like the team leaders to say, okay, guys, we're, we're all getting together at my house and we're going to have, we're going to talk this out. And, and then I will reach back I'll reach out to that senior later and say, okay, how'd everything go? Did it get settled? Did you guys, and they'll say, well, I still feel like so-and-so has more they could possibly say, but I think she's willing to just let bygones be bygones and whatever. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. stuff gets settled. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm not going to lie. There's been times when kids have graduated, they still hold a grudge about some other girl that who wronged her or whatever. I mean, it, it doesn't, but that's, that's life. I mean, that's, I have girls from high school that I could care less if I ever see them again, because they were, you know, not my favorite person, but this is a model of a microcosm of what they're going to face in their in their future anyway. You've got to learn how to work with all kinds of personalities. Once you step inside that dance room, we have work to do here. Um, this is a great place to dance out all of that stress, whatever it is that you're facing, and you protect your space around you. Don't let someone else's bad energy come into your space. This is about your time. But also, mm -hmm. you know, Try not to bring your issues in with it. Like if you're having that, sometimes stay home then. If it's that bad that you're going to ruin everyone else's experience, take the night off. It's okay. You miss one contemporary class. Yeah. The earth will continue to rotate on its axis if you just stay <laughs> home tonight. <laughs> Don't ruin it for everyone else. It's okay. You so know? true. Yeah. <laughs> really. Sometimes I think we get a little... I love dancers and I love dance teachers, but sometimes we get a little too, I don't know what word to use. We ain't all that. Like there's, but there Militant? are things that are more important. You know, yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, that life goes You're on. Right. It's you know? so true. Yeah. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves hey. that it is, it's just dance. <laughs> it's just dance. That's it. <laughs> We're not, you know, invading the, 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 Russia, like you know, okay. <laughs> I um I hired a new um, musical theater director, um, Brett, and she has a thing that she always says. She says, "There's no such thing as a theater crisis. There's no such thing as a dance crisis. We can if if you've got." Um, doctor's appointment on the night of the tech rehearsal or like we can work this out like it is nothing to get to lose your brain about we're going to work it out everybody just remain calm and remember that this is not world war three this is not it's not a crisis i'll tell you that was one thing if there was something good that came of covid i mean did you ever in a million years think you would cancel your recital cancel the no. recital like COVID, I was always that person that like everything, if I said we were having rehearsal on this date at this time, you, I could be dead. Like I could have a hundred and three fever and be, we were having rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And COVID taught us that life really does go on. Like it's, it, and mistakes happen. Listen, they announced the wrong winner of the Oscar for best picture. <laughs> you know, any, any mistake that happens during the recital is not that big of a deal. Like right. it's okay. It's, you know, so it's, you have to have perspective, That's, I guess. People have kind of relaxed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, this was great. I really enjoyed talking to you and getting to know you um, on a more face-to-face level um after interacting with you on in the facebook groups all these years yes my um, gosh so great i did want to add one last thing with about yeah. parents one of the best things that i did was be be the clueless parent my daughter one thing she did love when she was a kid was riding horses and i knew nothing about horseback riding. i mean really nothing p.s if you think dance is expensive put your child in horseback riding that's, I'll just let's mm -hmm. put that out there. 
And so I, I'll read comments from people like, oh, my God, could you believe I got this email from this parent wants to know, do they need costumes and dress rehearsal? Hello, of course. And I'm thinking, this parent doesn't know what a dress rehearsal is. Right. They've never, they don't know. They, they've never been before. I would show up at the horse. This is funny. At the horse show, they needed hairnet. Now, in a horse show, now we know a hairnet. It goes around the barn. Mm-hmm. Well, at a horse show, they wear the hairnet like a cafeteria lady wears it around oh their hair. Oh, my hands. gosh. Now, imagine the reverse. Imagine right. you show up at dress rehearsal now and you've got the hairnet, like, and everyone's going to go, oh, my God, can you believe she has that hairnet? <laughs> well, I show <laughs> up with my kid in a ballet bun with the hairnet around her bun and everyone's looking at me, laughing at me. So I've been in the reverse situation. I've yes. been the parent telling my daughter as she's riding around the ring, smile, Nina, smile. And the, and the coach is like, uh, why are you telling her to smile? That's like, so Because it's a horse show. And she's like, it doesn't matter if they smile. It's a horse show. I was like, oh, it doesn't count? Like, she doesn't, she's like, no, it has no bearing whatsoever. She's but she's riding a horse and I'm, I'm thinking okay so it, it really gave me a whole new way to listen to parents mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. if they are new dance parents they have absolutely no idea it's like you're speaking a brand new language to them yes and if you speak yeah. to them with respect and patience and understanding and not with this kind of I don't know. I feel like it's almost a disrespectful way to, to look at that. And and you have and even like with makeup, the average person, if they've never been to a dance recital to see an eight-year-old with dark red lipstick and fake lashes on, that's a shocking, shocking thing for them to see. Mm-hmm. Just have a little bit of compassion and understanding for them. That you know, they're they they're there with good intentions. They want their children to learn how to dance. You could have an, a 15-year relationship with them, but they're good people. They're there for you. They're, they're bringing their child there to, to learn this beautiful art that we all share. Don't laugh at them. Don't, don't make them feel silly and stupid. Understand what it's like to be that person that has absolutely, I was that parent. So they're, they're, they'll feel like, uh, um, they'll feel that if you re- react and respond that way. Don't make anybody feel that way. Make them yeah. feel welcome. Yeah. That's, that's one of my only regrets that I have as a studio owner is I one time got a little upset with a parent who now I put together a whole recital info packet that it's like our recital Bible. It has everything that you could possibly need in it and outlines all the requirements and rehearsal schedules and everything. Uh. These two dancers didn't show up for the finale rehearsal, but they showed up for class the next day. And I, got a little upset with the mom and she pulled her kids out of the recital. Yeah. We've all, we've, we've all done it. Yeah. We've all done it. We've evolved. I've learned like rules. You do have to be flexible with rules. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not a hill to die on. It's just not, you know, um, especially COVID taught us that too. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you do the best you can do. Yeah. And take it in the end. Like, when they look back on their dance career, do you want them to look back at you as like this crazy person that, you know, <laughs> was, was so like militant. scary and mean? And yeah. yeah. It wasn't really worth it, you know? Right. And be reasonable. That's it. How would you want to be treated if that were you? That's right. it. So I hope I was helpful. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Today. This was lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. It's a great podcast. Great idea. Thank you so oh, much. Thanks. That's awesome. Yay. Uh, well, we like, we like to end on a high note and share a heart happy moment. So just anything that has kind of made you light up on the inside in the last week or so, Robin, what's your heart happy moment then? Well, we just had open Marley night and um, that was our open Marley weekend this past weekend. And I was in Florida and I came home just in time for open Marley. So I walk into 
this event and my team had just handled it. I mean, I, of course, worked remotely on it in terms of um, organizing the venue and ordering the catering and that kind of stuff. But as far as all the dance things, all the costuming, all the, the things that I couldn't do in person because I was in Florida, it was just, it was a joy as a business owner to walk into this event. And it was as if I had planned it myself, you know, everything was just really well done. The parents were very pleased. The dancers were, you know, dance lovely. We had a photographer this year. Anyway, it was just, it was just very gratifying to know that I could be in Florida for 10 weeks and just walk wow. back in and it's good as gold. That's that awesome. Good. Oh, I love that. Suzanne, how about you? What's your heart happy moment? My heart happy moment is I have all my costumes. Everything oh! here. Thank Everything's God. here. Every child has a costume. Every pair of tights. Everything's here. Everything fits. I don't have to exchange anything anymore. The exchanges are even here. Oh my God. I, Hallelujah. So I literally have like tears in my eyes as I tell you that it was the most stressful costume ordering season I've ever, and I'm talking through the, you know, the SARS thing when they couldn't get fabric and I, it was the worst as I'm sure every dance studio owner listening to this is like, Oh my God. Yes. I don't know what we're, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to have to order costumes in July for next right. year. Like for phantom students that aren't registered yet. Yeah. No kidding. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Well, congratulations on having Thank you. all of your costumes. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> How about you? What's your heart happy moment? Um, let's see. My heart happy moment is um, yesterday I taught my five and six year olds and I had missed the week prior um, because my, my cat had died. And so I took the day oh. off. And, um, and so I was back yesterday teaching this class that I missed the week before. And they were all like, well, I asked them, I was like, how, did, how was class last week with Miss Brittany? And they were like, it was good, but we missed you. Oh, I love that. And, you know, some of the girls were like, Miss Casey, we love you. We love you. Like, I love you. You're so great. You're the best dance teacher. You know, just like those kinds of things yeah. that the little ones say. And it was just like, oh, it, it made my day. It made my That's whole so week. Sweet. <laughs> that is the sweetest. <laughs> well, Suzanne, thank you so much again for being here. It was such a joy to chat with you. Thank you Listeners, again for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you haven't already, go to dancestudioownerconnect.com for more information on our retreat, which is June 27th through 29th in Phoenix, Arizona. We have our schedule posted now um, of all of our amazing seminar topics, and it's going to be a fabulous, fabulous three days. So don't wait because we only have a few spots left. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We will see you again next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.